down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, oh, what's up? Well, as you can see from my different location and no mic, this is a terrible <laughs> Monday. Uh, but let's try to make it better uh, by talking about, I don't know, the team that scored 145 points, for example. Oh, my goodness. Yesterday, the Thunder played at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time, which is a great time for you. What time is that locally for you, Michele? Uh, it was 6 p.m. Yeah, it's like a normal time. It's like normal game time. It's great. Yeah. And yeah, it's probably the first game I watched live since, I don't know, 2021. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's been such a long time. They, I think they, they knew that you were watching, and they decided to play one of their best games of the season, really, aside from the first quarter, which they allowed the Knicks to score 48 points in the first quarter. Holy smokes, that was insane. Uh, then they... Uh, proceeded to pay the Knicks back by scoring 43 in the second and 43 in the third, which 86 points in the second and third quarters alone was just absolutely insane. Shea, again, this is becoming a, a thing where we just talk about how good Shea is. 37 points, five boards, eight assists, uh, three steals, two blocks. He had 21 points in the third quarter alone and just basically slammed the door shut on the Knicks in that quarter. He was great. The whole team was bonkers from the field, 62% from the field, 54.8% from three, 90% from the line. Um, I'm not sure that we're going to get many 60, 50, 90 games from the Thunder this season. You don't say. I mean, you're a pessimistic person. Like, why? <laughs> I mean, it, the problem is to face the defense that is uninterested in playing basketball That's uh, kind. on one end that of the court yeah. for at least 36 minutes. Um, I think that the most surprising thing to me, it's not what the Thunder are putting on the court. It's not the record they have, nor the net rating. To me, the point is that Shea feels normal. Yeah. Like, whatever Shea is doing sounds, well, okay, yeah. I mean, he, he does that. This is Shea. Th- that is incredible. He is putting up insane numbers. Yeah. Uh, he's not hitting threes, nor attempting, uh, even if in the last two games he uh, indulged a little bit more uh, on, on the treble. Mm-hmm. And it just feels the, I don't know, um, the version of Shea that is going to stay, which is, again, impossible to to comprehend for me. It's been yeah. 11 games, and he's awesome in every aspect of the game. Yeah, 31 points per game this season, 54%. That's, a, that's the biggest improvement, because you look at everything else. There's a couple different stats that stand out, because 
You look at his field goal attempts, they went from 18 to 21. Um, his points went from 24 to 31. Okay, it's not the shots. It's the efficiency which he's shooting. He's taking less threes but making more of them than he was last year. And then the free throw line improvement. He went from 81% to 93%. And the, the difference in attempts isn't that much from 7.2 to 7.6. I mean, that's pretty wild. And then his usage rate is not that different. He was 29.8% last season, so 31.1%. So part of that is pace. Like they're playing a faster pace of play right now, the Thunder are, which is a good thing. But it's just the efficiency. It's just through the roof right now in the mid-range and then at the rim. He's just been outrageous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the deficiency at the rim is amazing. The difficulty of shots it takes for mid-range is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't put the percentage that he has right now in the bank, but I would also venture to the fact that right now he's not taking hardly any spot-up tree. Um, and that is going to change. I, I'm yeah. convinced of that. I was discussing with John the fact that uh, on Thunder of the Dark, this to me is probably the first game where you can per- you have the, a perception of what the future can be for, for Shea and Giddy. It is yeah. the first time that they both shine in the same game. Uh, they didn't play for each other too much, but there were moments where they actually made work um, for stretches when they were on the court. I think that the coaching staff is putting an effort of, of putting them together on the court and try to make them comfortable. And, I mean, this is important. And again, for me, Shea, is the, the fact that he's not taking easy shots and the fact that he's crazy efficient are all good news for now. Yeah. So here are his percentages by range. Uh, in the NBA. So at in the restricted area, so just around the rim, 7.1 attempts per game, 74% in the restricted area. That's, that's what Shea is shooting right now, which is insane. So like, that's just, just for, ridiculous though. For perspective, like Giddy is shooting 54% in the restricted area on five attempts per game. Uh, Aaron Wiggins is shooting 48%. Uh, Darius Baisley, which... If you ask me what Bezos was shooting in the restricted area, I say, oh, it's probably pretty good. 42% in the restricted area. That's like actively horrific on 3.2 attempts yeah. per game. Um, but like Poku's shooting 65% in the restricted area, and that's good. Like that's, that is good. Yeah. 74% is insane. Uh, in the paint, but not in the restricted area, he's shooting 43.8%, which he's taking 74 uh, in like non-paint twos, and he's shooting 43. Like that's a good percentage as well. In the mid-range, he's taking almost four per game. 51 percent in the mid-range at four a game is that's just absurd. It makes no sense. Um, and then from three, in the right corner, he's 50 percent, and the left corner, he's 33 percent, and then above the break, he's 35.7 percent. So that number has rebounded. Like pretty good up to this point i mean he's just he this is what you call a three level score it's like he can score anywhere on the court that three ball i think is going to become more of a weapon as the the year goes on he was he used it more as a weapon in the last two games against the raptors and then against the knicks and i i think if you're going to play a team like boston you have to open up the court a little bit 
And I think Shea taking threes and using that as a weapon will open things up. That's what Tatum has done all season. Like he's been a three level scorer all season. And that has opened up the the Celtics offense to be one of the best offenses in the league all year. And so I think Shea can do the same thing and I think that I think that he will start to do that. Yeah, and it's also a key for him to be successfully paired weekly on the court. That part of the of the floor needs to be stretched. The defense needs to be attached to Shea at any single moment of the possession. Um, one thing that they are doing together, though, and maybe, um, I mean, last night uh, it was not uh, too many times, but I, I see that Giddy is trying to find himself open uh, on the line to, to get some spot-up opportunities, and he's mm-hmm. not hesitating. Uh, and, and this is something that they have to work together. Um, and again, we are starting to see stuff and, um, I think this will continue again. The other part is the one that I'm, I think it will happen. I think that Giddy will start finding Shea more often when he's on the three point line and, uh, about the percentage from, from, um, the paint, uh, for Giddy, it's not great. But boy, oh boy, against the Knicks, the floater was going and it was such a beauty. Yeah. Like that shot changed, changes a lot in what Giddy can do. I mean, for years, oh, yeah, no we begged Russ to work on his on his floater. And whatever Giddy was doing last night is exactly what a point guard with, let's say, not shooting as the first weapon has to have. Because it it... It changes the dynamic of how the back line of defense guards you when you're attacking the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm so interested to see how this looks against Boston. I'm just so, so interested to see how this looks. It will look worse. I mean, it will look a lot worse. Like, here's the thing. is the Thunder Twitter has been kind of riding the waves here, and – you know, last week it was, do we have any good players? Like, no one's made any progress at all, you know? And like, and then the last couple of days, it's been like, oh, man, Andrew, you're such an idiot for thinking that this team is going to be in the lottery, you know? Like, how could you even think they're going to be in the lottery? And, you know, it's just balancing back and forth. And, like, the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know? They're not yeah. as good as they've been against the Raptors and the Knicks. The Raptors played a really bad game on Friday night. They were just horrific shooting the basketball. Scotty Barnes was um, struggling, to say the least. And he was supposed to basically be their engine. Fred Van Vliet had to leave the game because he was sick. And so it was basically Scotty and OG. And OG, I don't know what's going on with OG this season. Defensively, he's been good. But um, offensively, he was just not as engaged. And then Barnes was just frustrated a lot of the night. Uh, with the way the Thunder were throwing uh, some pretty good defense at him. And he's yelling. I mean, he spent two or three possessions screaming at the officials about a travel call. And it it killed his defense and it killed his offense on both ends because he was just so frustrated. Um, So it's like those like little things like that contributed throughout that night and the Thunder just absolutely waxed them. And then like we know what happened against the Knicks and – you know, Giddy was great, like you said, tri- the triple-double, 24, 10, and 12. Uh, I've got my Giddy drop, if you guys want to hear it. Um, Raleigh Zerbiak just gave us an absolute gem, and I decided to, to mix it up a little bit, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit of Giddy here. Josh Giddy's like, Josh Giddy's like... 
Josh Giddies, like Josh Giddies, like Josh Giddies, like Josh Giddies, like doing whatever the heck you want. Giddy, 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 giddy. Triple, 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 double. Giddy, 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 giddy. Doing whatever the heck you want. He was so funny after that game. He was so mad about Josh Giddy playing well. And Josh was he was awesome. Um Hollander actually like commented when I said he's one rebound away. He said like he's gonna be the first player in NBA history to have a triple double on point or on rebounds, assists, and floaters. Because it was just yeah. that floater game. Just over. Okay, maybe, over. maybe. Maybe John Olinger will give us the half player, half starters. We hey, he, uh, he get away in his might, article. You might be hoping for too much there. I would say. I think you're. I think, yeah, especially a against quarter? the Knicks. Hey, let's see how they do against the Celtics tonight. If they are competitive against the Celtics, to me, like a lot of people are taking notice of the Thunder today, and that's great. But they played a Knicks team that was not ready to play basketball yesterday. Tonight, this is the second night of a back-to-back. It's kind of a unique circumstance, though, because Boston and New York are so close. And they got to leave with plenty of time. Like, a lot of times, on the if you're on a second night of a back-to-back and you're on the road or you have to fly home or something, you get in at, like, 3 a.m. or later. And then you're yeah. sleeping until, like, 11 or whatever. Like, your day, like, everything is just thrown out of whack. And that's how the NBA season is, largely. But it's great that they finished this game in the afternoon get to take their time to get to Boston, get to acclimate themselves some. So it's not like the traditional feel of a back-to-back for the Thunder. So I think that you're going to get a, a, a good effort from, from OKC. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is out tonight for the Celtics. And then for the Thunder, Trey Mann is out with lower back soreness. Darius Baisley is out still with his right ankle. And then Jang is still with the G League. And Eugene Omayuri is out tonight um, with the G League, too. Um, fun note, tonight and Wednesday, the Blue play the G League Ignite here in Oklahoma City. So if you have any interest hmm. in like watching Jang play uh, against a good opponent, this would be it. You know, you're going to get a lot of Usman Jang in, this, in these games. And you're going to see him play against Scoot Henderson um, in Oklahoma City. The tickets are outrageously cheap. You can pretty much sit on the court if you want to. Um, so if you're just a basketball sicko and you live in Oklahoma City, uh, I can't be there tonight because I have to do the Daily Ding, but I'm going to try to be there. They actually play at 11 o'clock um, Wednesday in the middle of the day. So I might be there at that at that game just to see the Ignite play and to get, you know, look at Jang, who's played awesome, by the way, in the G League so far. You know, he's getting more possessions and he's using them. And I was talking to some people with the Thunder and, like, it's just like he's not really a G League guy. (laughs) Like, he's definitely not a G League player, but he's also not a guy that can play, you know, 30 minutes a night in the NBA or 20 minutes a night every single night in the NBA. So he's kind of caught in the middle. But, you know, I – I'm glad that they're leaving him there for these Ignite games because I think that's a, actually a pretty good measuring stick as to you know who Jang is. Yeah, um, I might watch some of the game uh, or the games and try to get a, a grasp of what 
Anderson is as a yeah. player and maybe discussing the pod. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, on Jang, I mean, I, I think that it makes total sense to give him a lot of possessions. Uh, I think that um, the fact that he's not playing with OKC to me is one of the most telling things of what is going on right now. I mean, he could play uh, if winning is not, or I, I shouldn't say winning, if, is letting the team asserting uh, itself. Um, I think that right now they are really trying to uh, to develop him in a way where if they are playing home and there is room, yes. If not, on the road against maybe a tough team, uh, he might have five, seven minutes. It's much better to give him 20, especially if he gets against guys that uh, will be NBA player or or were NBA players. So yeah. I think it makes total sense yeah. um, in terms of development. Yeah. I'm shocked, Andrew, that we spent 17.5 minutes mm-hmm. uh, and we barely discussed our beloved Poku, who was, again, um, I wouldn't say amazing, but he was a steady, effective, um, I would say in some moment even, I mean, he he, he was on the court when OKC made the run that decided the game. Yeah. And he was part of it. Yeah, he's sturdy. Looking real sturdy there, Poku. 5 of 8 from the field, yes. 2 of 4 from 3, 12 points, 2 boards, 3 assists. He was a normal NBA power forward out there playing NBA basketball. And that's about all you can ask for at this point. He's shooting 35% from 3 on the season, which feels miraculous. Uh, you look at his stat line from Friday night too against Toronto. Started, played 23 minutes, 14 points, 5 boards, 4 blocks, 6 of 10 from the field, a plus 10 overall that night. I thought he was really good. Um, and then on the season, I was looking at his plus minus. He was like an outrageously bad uh, minus to the team, but over the course of these two games, he's now a minus eight instead of like a minus 25 or whatever he was before. Um, he's looking a lot better. Although I talked to a scout. So on where I sit at the Thunder games, it's usually like Joe, me, and then like maybe one, a couple other Thunder media members. And then it's scouts that sit to the left of us. There's a scout from the Wizards game and... You know, Poku had just, I, I can't remember what was happening. It was a timeout. And so I just like, sometimes I'll just lean over to one of the scouts. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about that? I was like, hey, what do you think about Poku? And he's like, I don't know. He's probably the worst player I've seen all season. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. He's like, he's by far one of the worst players I've seen all season. I said, like, well, tell me, tell, like, okay, well, like, tell me why you think that. And he was like, well, he doesn't, he's a terrible screener. He's not, he's like, he's a bull. And I, I didn't agree with all of his points. Like, he's like, he's a below average passer. He's a below average shooter. He's a below, I mean, he just listed all these things out. I think it's largely impacted by the way that he played last year. And I was like, you're kind of describing Poku from last year, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah. you know. And he's sitting there like, I mean, these guys know a lot more about the league and about basketball than I do. So I'm not going to start to say mm-hmm. that like I know a lot more, but it just made me think like, okay, like I just need to watch more because like you do watch him screen and he doesn't connect on screens, you know? He's lips a ton of them though. 
He does sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. Yeah. You know, and trying to decipher that can be tough at times. Um, yeah. I think that what most of the people that are watching Poku are missing is that this is probably the first year where he is playing the big man position for real. Yeah, true. Screening for true, others true. was not... I mean, it's almost like judging Trey Mann as a screener. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be better, Trey Mann, <laughs> because it's true that Poku uh, struggled in putting his body onto a, another guy. Mm-hmm. But I think that we, we should think about that. And always remember that uh, one time I was discussing with a scout that was actually working for a team, uh, and he tried to sold me for, I think, 25 minutes on the idea that Indiana made a good move in taking TJ Leaf because he is the tree of the future. So <laughs> we we should always take everything. So I, I think it could be a five. No, no, Indy didn't draft it for that. They, yeah. I mean, he was not one of the Pacer scouts. It was just, just uh, uh, another guy. And um, I don't remember the team. But I vividly remember he said, "Hey, um, he 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 can play outside. He can hit trees. Uh, you you can play oversized with him." And I said, "No, he has like concrete feet, and that will never happen." So um, I think that it's it's good to to pick some of the cons that they have, like yeah. the fact that he's turnover prone, the fact that he doesn't screen well, are all valid points. The fact that he is a is right now a functional NBA player in an offense that is predicated alongside along uh, concepts like extra pass and um, uh, motion offense and the fact that he's playing in in the in the flow, I think it's something that you have to to realize and say that is something that last year he couldn't do. And defensively, it's been I think two years that I'm riding the, the bus of hey. Poku might be better than what we think defensively. And yeah. right now, there are many possessions where he is not effective because of strength, but all the other things are there. Mm-hmm. Or not all, but many of the other things. He can switch on smaller guards and be effective. He is learning how to be a, a weak side shot blocker. And all these things to me are encouraging. Now, is he a bench player in the future? Maybe. Is yeah. he a token starter? Maybe. Uh, but he's 20, and there yeah, is a lot that's, that's, that's that he can improve on. That's the thing about it, is that he's 20 years old and is still learning a lot, and he's gotten so much better. I mean, that's part of it. Is like To me, the difference between last year and this year, I mean, go look back at some November tape of him. Like, he was not an NBA guy. Like, he could not function in the league. And with this team, he plays real minutes and deserves them. And I'll keep pointing back to this, but the thing that's kind of tipped, you know, tipped me over a little bit on Poku being, a like, a good player is just the way that Mark talks about him. You know? I mean, that, to me, is, is one of the biggest deals is just that Mark Degnault is giving him the chance to play. You know, he's... You know, per game, he's 15th in blocks per game. You know, like that's that's not nothing. I mean, that was not him last year, yeah. I'll tell you that. And he's starting to 
realize the length that he has and is using that to his advantage. And, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, um, I was listening to the New York telecast. I mean, mm -hmm. those two guys are oh, just brain is so good. the best, the best of the best. And Fraser, when Poku made that uh, fake of, of doing a handoff and just turn and was basically in the basket and he just fumbled the ball, he screamed like, wow, and then, oh, like he was legitimately surprised by the fact that Pokusheski made that move and it was caught by surprise. Like mm -hmm. these little things to me are telling, again, you don't want to judge a player by how fancy he can be on the court. Mm -hmm. But some of the moves that he has to me are, are just so interesting. And the fact that he is really cutting out, cutting out a lot of the shots that he was taking, early shots, wrong shots, He's taking a lot of corner trees. I mean, against New York, he was always in the right spot in terms of getting being open for three. So mm -hmm. these things to me are very meaningful. Yeah. And and I mean, similarly to what I expect from Lou Dort, I mean, the fact that he's realizing where he's effective on offense and he's mixing up a few of the things that he likes to do, like the mid-range shot that he took at the, I think it was in the second quarter, where the defense just sag off of him. He was at the free throw line and said, Okay, I'll just nail this jumper, and he did. So I really think that he's maturing a lot in terms of understanding uh, where he can be effective. And credit to Lou Dort, I mean, except for two, three threes that I didn't like uh, against New York, especially early, he played another very solid game, and he's leveraging his physicality. He's getting in the teeth of the defense, passing the ball at such a high level, mm -hmm. and, and again, not abusing his shot, which is not the best weapon he has right now. And this is, again, to me, uh, the last few games are much better. But you can tell that there is a difference in, in the choices that he's making on offense. He's been awesome. Like, I haven't... I, well, my... that's, let's, let's not exaggerate. Let's see I'm not exaggerating. Okay. Has he not been awesome in his role? Like, that's, this is what we had hoped, right? Yes. Like, this is the version of Dort that I think we would have hoped would have been in place if Chet was playing. And it's, yes. it took seven shots against the Raptors. I think he took 11 against the Knicks. And like That's, you said, there these are, like, are very good numbers. Yeah. There's very few of those shots. Not that they're all great, but there are, most of them are like good shots. And, he the defense is still there, like he's locking in. I mean his his line against the Knicks, which like everybody's line against the Knicks was awesome. Twenty-four points, three boards, one block, only one turnover, uh eleven or eight of eleven from the field, two of five from three, six of six from the free throw line. You know, that's m way more than I would ask for from Lugan Stewart on a regular night. I mean he he well, played yeah. really well. The efficiency is more. Way more. I mean, there, I, tonight is a is a night, you know, against the Knicks. Like, how much do you really need Blue <laughs> Dort out there to to like disrupt things? I mean, he definitely played a role in the comeback and was was really good for them. But you know, tonight is like the assignment is Jason Tatum, and that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Yeah. And this is a night I really where it's wonder like, you can really use Lou Dort. Yeah, I think I would go with um, Shea, Dort, Giddy, Wiggins, Pokushevsky yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah. 
I, if I, I had to make a decision. Yeah, what do you think about them without, and not that Darius would start because Darius hasn't started one game this year, but like, how do you feel about them, you know, without Darius in the lineup? Well, I think that um, it's clear when you don't have Baisley, you you are more perimeter oriented, especially if Jerry is having nights like the one or afternoons uh, like the ones he was he had so against. good like, he's somebody that i that i doubt that anybody is talking about but he was amazing against the knicks too 17 points seven of nine from the field three of four from three seven boards just like making almost all the right decisions with the ball i mean he scored inside yeah. and out he looked great <laughs> Yeah, I think defensively is really still searching for his best uh, way to impact games. I think that yeah. he's not entirely comfortable in switching a lot. Um, he, he, I don't know, there is something missing to me. He's really good at communicating, but... He can't be the fulcrum uh, of your defense. Number. I think that we're seeing, at least today, he can't be. And I think we're seeing yeah, exactly. that. And... You can see a world where him playing next to Chet would be like, okay, like, yeah, like this, this could be it. Like, I think he could help in a scheme where it's like, hey, we're going to funnel guys down to Chet, like, kind of like they used to do with Ibaka, like how kind of Perk used to do that. Um, yeah. And so, like, I could see that with Jeremiah. I don't, I, w- I don't see the same thing with Poku, but I'm becoming more and more intrigued about the idea of Poku and Chet together, not just because I love the number 11, but, um, just because I think that there's a real world where those guys can play together just because they both have really nice feel for the game and they both are going to block shots. And I don't know, man, it's, it is becoming very intriguing, but I I think that Jeremiah, he's had a nice season. Like he's one of the best shooters on the team catch and shoot wise. Yeah. Um, And that's been good. I, that's one to watch. Like, does that stick? Can he shoot? close to 40%. I know he's way over 40% now, but it's, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where like, I don't know that I believe it. And so like prove it to me over the course of 82 games that you can shoot it that way. Um, But if you can be anywhere between 38 and 42% from three, you got to be feeling pretty good about him as just like a a role player off the bench kind of guy. Yeah. The point is not even if we feel, um, that he can sustain. The problem is when defenses will start to say, maybe I'll just get a little bit closer. Well, I mean, I think a great guy is the guy that they're playing tonight is Grant Williams. Like it took some yeah. time for teams to adjust to Grant Williams being a good shooter. That is a great example, Andrew. And yes, so- that is exactly. I think that Grant Williams, if you have to decide, will always be the guy that you try to close out on instead of being close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you have so many other weapons. But the fact that you have in your mind, hey, I need to sprint, will take energy away from you. Will allow JRE to make the extra pass, make um, one attacking the closeout uh, via dribble penetration. So all these things are possible if the defense starts to uh, at least pay attention to how they close out on you. Yeah, And I think that this, if, if JRE is like that, even 39 38, 37% oh, on a decent volume. It's great. Like five trees per game. Yeah. It's incredible. And yeah, this will happen. And, you know, Grant's actually like a pretty interesting comp for him. Grant's like way more physical than Jeremiah is. Um, 
And so he's kind of like finesse Grant Williams in a way. Because Jeremiah hasn't been quite as physical as I thought he might be this year. And he still has time to develop that part of his game. But, you know, his... Yeah, it's year two. It's year two. All, all these guys are young. <laughs> You know, like that's just the case. It's like we talk about development. Like there's development left for pretty much everybody but Kenrich and Mike. You know? For every single guy. I mean that's that's yeah. just kind of the the wild thing about this. Uh okay, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh after this break, we're gonna talk a little bit about Chet because uh there's a, a some a little bit of news there. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com dunk. That's linkedin.com dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Chet Holmgren was, uh, had a picture up on his Instagram of him shooting the basketball, which he's been doing. He's, he's been shooting whether he's in a boot or on a scooter. Uh, and now he's shooting just wearing Kobe's, just wearing shoes. And I, I actually saw him, so I went into the Thunder locker room before the Toronto game to one like I just wanted to see what the new jerseys looked like up close and so I just went in there to to get a look and uh Isaiah Joe walked in and um and then I'm about to walk out and Chet walks in and he's like saying what's up to everybody giving fist bumps to everybody and I look down and like he's not wearing a boot he's walking around in shoes and I kind of like kept that to myself a little bit just like okay like that's something to note. And then when he posted that on Instagram, they're like, hey, I am practicing without a boot, by the way, <laughs> was kind of what that those two pictures were for, it seemed. Um, it's exciting. Now, let me temper everybody's Are you excitement. about to lose a thousand bucks to Taylor? No. I was about to. That's what I was just about to go into. Like, <laughs> this says, I know it's November 14th, 2022. I just would not expect to see him in a Thunder uniform. I know that this this is very exciting to see him like this, to see him and, you know, the winning and then seeing him. Like, it all is just like the Thunder fan base is just like uh, going nuts about all this stuff. And it's great. Going like the giddy, pop, giddy, giddy, giddy. They're going giddy, Sorry. giddy, giddy, giddy. I had to. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's, it is awesome. 
and it gives you hope that things are going to, you know, work out well. But also, like, there's a lot of healing left to go. I've n- I have not seen him run. I saw him walking. A lot of times when he's shooting, he's just stationary, and he's, like, doing maybe some – he's doing a lot of turnaround stuff is what he's been doing um, in practice. Like, he's not sprinting up and down the court, like, dunking right now. You know, there's – I think there is – a long way to go before he gets there. So like as much as we would want to see him play, it is he I mean he is going to be one of the most important players to this franchise. And that's another thing is that we are seeing the progress of this Thunder team, a lot of it with Shea, but we're seeing it in other areas too. They're missing their second best player and a player that complements Shea so incredibly well. We haven't even seen those two play together at all because we didn't see them playing summer yeah. league together. Like those two, the two-man game that could exist between those two, you know, I'm talking about like Poku not really making connections on screens and like we're seeing the improvement there. And like we're just talking about souped up Poku, you know, like pimp my ride Poku out there doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's the upside of that pairing is something that I don't think a lot of people outside of the thunder sphere are thinking about but man he it it's going to be a big deal and it's because it's so important he's going to sit out <laughs> you know he's going to sit the yeah. whole season and they're not going to play in uh, also because I think he would like to win rookie of the year and there's a track record for guys missing their first season and coming back and winning rookie of the year we saw it with Ben Simmons. Yeah. We saw it with Blake Griffin. I think he would like a chance to be that guy too. So I think there's a lot of reasons yeah. why that we will not see Chet Holmgren this year. One, because the press release from the Thunder said he will miss the season. And until there is word, definitive word, coming from Woj or coming from the Thunder themselves or coming from anybody that's trustworthy that says, hey, you know what? Like his progress is, you know, a a lot further along than we thought. Like he can he can probably play in February. Don't don't trick yourself into thinking that's actually a possibility until you actually see it. And you're gonna see if you yeah, think that, no need. if you think that was encouraging to see. Like there's gonna be a lot more encouraging things posted in the next you know three four or five months. But I don't yeah. think it means he's gonna play. So like, don't, let's not get our hopes up here. Yeah, um, but it's also fine to to dream when you see like Poku playing with Mike Muscala and making things that are good for OKC. You can't help yourself but thinking, can you imagine how this will work with I Chet? Like when you have actually something, someone that is better than Mike offensively and much much better than Mike defensively. And the fact that Poku can play the four with a guy like with a guy like Mike and the space that Chet will occupy is very similar mm-hmm. to the one that Mike will occupy. Maybe he Mike is not getting enough touches. Mm-hmm. But to me, like a lot of the things that Poku is doing with Mike, uh, he can be better with 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 Chet. And same with, oh, with yeah. Shea. Can you imagine when you play a screen and roll and the defender has actually like think to to stay close to to chat instead of like basically doubling you this will make such a huge difference from any uh, aspect on offense oh, so yeah. i'm really 
looking forward to. And I think that there are a lot of people that are thinking about it. I yeah. again, I'm I'm listening opponents telecast, and literally the first thing that that Breen said during the first quarter was, "Hey, the Thunder looks frisky, and they don't have homegrown. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they will be much better with him on the court." So I think that a lot of the uh, maybe the not the national media because okay, he's not a talking point, but when you you see like the opponent telecast, literally everybody is thinking, "Hey, they look great, and they're missing homegrown." So yeah. there is this team is going to be better in the future. Everyone is saying that. So yeah. I I really think that rushing chat. I mean, There's even no if you, suppose that everything goes so well for OKC and they somehow have a play of birth, not even a play in birth. Either you have a real chance to win the championship, which they will not have, no. chat or not chat. No. Or it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. I would risk him only if you, and again, it's a, it's an absurd proposition, if you have a chance to be a true contender, which this season, by the numbers and by what we have seen so far, they're very far away. Not even close. In, like not if even giving, close to it. Like, oh, very far away. Like the best teams are plus seven, plus eight, plus nine in yeah. net rating. OKC is basically a net zero. Yeah. Which is incredible, but still very far away. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just not. Still, still incredible. Yeah. Let's just not go there with Chet. Because I mean, also. Just think about next year. Like we think that it'll also allow Shea to take a, another step next year, because him playing like he is—if he could play like this all season—one, he's going to have a real shot to make the All NBA team. But you give him one other player that teams will care about, just one. Oh yeah. And there's a possibility that they'd be adding another one. By the way, that they'd be adding another player that teams would care about. You give the other teams two or three more players to care about. On that end, like it's over. Like Shea has a chance to be one of the best players in the NBA, um, which is kind of wild <laughs> to think about. Um, you look at the Thunder through these first uh, 13 games, they are a plus 0. 0.3, um, which is good for eighth best in the, NBA, in, in the Western Conference, which is very interesting. Um, all, like three points better than the Clippers have been, um, significantly better than the Spurs have been, um, than Minnesota. Golden State's a minus three right now. Um, the Lakers are a minus 6.6 on the season, that, which feels that about is, right, <laughs> Yeah, to be honest. Uh, and then the Rockets, who, like a lot of people think, like, oh, the Rockets, the Thunder, they're in the same boat. The Rockets are almost a minus eight. They're yeah. two and eleven. So, thinking about oh, the the Rockets and Thunder are pretty close. No, no, the Rockets are the second worst team in the league, only bested by the Detroit Pistons, who are a minus ten, and are three and eleven. Like those teams stink. The Thunder are doing something, and the Thunder did something very significant back in the day whenever they drafted so well. But they're doing something significant this time around too, where their defense has fallen to 15th, which is, you know, 
that's going to happen when you have such outlier, you know, such an outlier game um, in New York. But to have a top half of the league defense is so difficult to do when you're this young, and they're younger than both those other yeah. teams. Um, and to do this, to be a top half of the league defense, I think that they're probably somewhere around like the tenth or twelfth best defense in the league. And to be that at this age without a guy who is probably going to be your best defender in Chet is really something. Because you look at Detroit and they're awful defensively. You look at Houston, they're a mess. That is, I've watched, I think I've watched almost everybody so far this season. And that is by far the worst team that I've watched. It's, yeah. it's astonishing how much they just have, they just have no clue. It looks like there's no plan out there. And sometimes it works out just because they have like good individual players like Jalen Green and Shangun has been good for them. But man, they are putrid defensively and just have no clue what they're doing. And unless unless they get maybe they get Vic. And that would be great for them if they get Wimbanyama. And maybe he is good enough to fix all their problems. But let's say they get like the third pick or the fourth pick in this next draft, which is totally in the cards because the odds are not in your favor, even if you have the worst record in the league, which I predict the Houston Rockets will. You got to be feeling pretty awesome about that pick in the next draft that you're going to have like a chance to have like the sixth pick or the fifth pick or something like that. Even if they have Wimbenyama, I don't think Wimbenyama is enough in his rookie season to elevate them to even a play-in team. So no, you have to be feeling really good. He has good. to stay healthy for 82 games. Yeah. He has to gel with – he's not like a player that from from the very few moments I saw him play, he's not someone that will be a connector. He is mm-hmm. right now a guy that can play elite defense and can be a play finisher on offense. So guy, things that okay, see, that, that the Houston already has, Houston is lacking – connection is lacking a place style and i mean it's one thing that uh going back to okc that i think we have to discuss is the fact that they had a pretty tough schedule with, with some break like the fact that they didn't have Giannis for two games they didn't have pascal for one game um they didn't face Kawhi and paul george uh Kawhi two games and pg one game but the fact is that they faced NBA teams uh, that really tried to win every single game. Yeah. And they have a net rating that is really in par with what their record is. Yeah. Defensively, I mean, they had the top six defense um, for the first few games. And I remember us, um, Alex probably was the, the guy who noticed this, the fact that they were having luck in terms of three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Right now, they are top half of the league in defense and they have no luck. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. Probably even their teams are shooting a little bit better than average against them. So right now, the num- all the numbers are saying, hey, this team is like in the middle um, right yeah. now. Yeah. Numbers are saying that. Strangle schedule is saying that. Everything. So what I'm saying here is they are basically the, the product on court and the record are very in line. 
And this is, to me, very important because last year they had the same record or close to the same record, and they had a terrible net rating. Mm -hmm. This was just closing a few games better than expected. Yeah. This is this, the record this year is, hey, they are this good. And like looking at the schedule, I mean, they had a normal slash hard one. So you can you can try to to project a little bit and saying this team might be a bit better than what we expected at the beginning of the season. And how much better will depend on Shea's health, Shea's mm. development, and probably also the development of, of guys on the sides like shoot it, shooters, um, Jerry, Kitty's floater, all these things. But right now, the product is in line with the record, which is, again, something that, is, that we have to monitor. Mm. Houston, same, but they are terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, the players that are currently a positive, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, Usman Jang, a plus 1.7 when he's played. Uh, Lou Dort's a plus almost 4 on the court in his minutes. Baisley was a plus 7, um, which is still a really interesting number. And I feel like it's easy to want to ride off Baisley with the way that they've played the last two games. Um, I still kind of want to see a little bit more of him in this role to see how he meshes. But ultimately, I still think like the ultimate destiny of Baisley is to be kind of the homie of this season where they deal him, you know, closer to the deadline mm -hmm. for some kind of second. Um, and that's, that would be my prediction is that some team could probably use him. Um, Trey Mann plus 11.3 in almost 300 minutes. Shea is a plus 12.9. Mascala is a plus 13.9, even though he hadn't shot the ball well. And then our guy, Aaron Wiggins, plus 19.1 when he's played. Just Wiggins is yeah, Wiggins another. Yeah, Wiggins is just super solid. He's just another interesting one to me. Where it's just like, yeah, this guy can just play. Like he just knows how to play the game. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just kind of, I enjoy watching him play basketball. The corner three, I don't know if it quite matches. I need to look it up because the other day it did not quite match my, it's not even really my eye test. It's really just my feelings. I think it's 32% overall. Low 30, I would say. Yeah, it's not, um, why isn't this working? Um, it was definitely, it was not what I thought. So he's 35 Five percent on the season, which is about that feels that's much better than what I thought. And then from the corners, oh, it's just bad. Thirty percent, like that just doesn't make sense to me. I, I would like for uh, Basketball Reference to recheck that number. That might be wrong. I don't know. It just feels like he's cashed from the from the corner. Maybe just that the shot looks really good. Um, obviously, it has not translated in the numbers yet, but. He's just a player that I trust to be out there and for him to help this team. And obviously the plus 19.1 is like a good indicator of that. Isn't it crazy though? Like to say that a two-way, former two-way is a player I trust. Like this is remarkable that they could find him and putting into the system and I know making the most of him right now. <laughs> it's funny, like Sam couldn't find a guy like this, you know, for anything, you know, seven years ago, six years ago. And now like Lou Dort from two way to full contract to like big contract, you know, just picked up off the scrap heap. Like they could have used a Lou Dort 
back then, like severely. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, who I think is a good player from uh, two-way player to uh, hinky special. Uh, Kenrich Williams, too. Who Moses just- Brown. Sorry. <laughs> Kenrich Williams. I'm just talking about wings. Like they needed a wing. They just need to like give me one. Can I have one that's not named Derek Fisher or Randy Foy, please? Can I not play? Do we do we have to play Corey Brewer significant minutes right now? Because we don't have anybody, you know. And they just are one. are finding some guys that are just. I, it's just very interesting. And that's not even to mention like Trey Mann and J Dub and. I mean, they're just, they're doing such a good job with these guys. They're all under the radar with like general NBA people. I get that. But if you're watching up close, you're like, man, like these guys are, are kind of impressive. I wonder how much of this is opportunity pressure and stuff like that. It's because opportunity pressure. And then in some sense. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're right. I think it's, because I think it's one you, other thing like, too, though. I think it's the, the style of play. I think it's the yes. way they play basketball. Yes, yes, for sure. But imagine, oh, think about Jeremy Lamb. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb had a pretty good career. Yeah, he's okay as a bench player. Yeah, yeah. He never developed into one, and I wonder, like, could Brooks play him more? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm absolutely certain that with the cushion that you have with playing Russell Westbrook and KD, he should have played. 10 minutes a night, meaningful minutes, not mop-up duties. And, and this is, to me, Jeremy Lamb is one of the last opportunities for OKC. Yeah, yeah he, he, he wasn't probably ready. He wasn't able to, to be what OKC wanted. Um, but there, there, were, there was talent there mm-hmm. on offense. And yeah. again, in, in his first rookie season, it was, hey, last five minutes of the, of the game, and that's it. Yeah. And it was not related to his talent. No. It was related to this is how it works. Mm-hmm. You are here, and unless you are impactful as Reggie Jackson, this is your role. Mm-hmm. And I think that this team is different. Mark Dignan would have, would have handled things in a different way. Billy Donovan, like he gave Lou Dort an opportunity on a team that was winning. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have played his guy more, yeah. he could have played eight man rotations. So I think, I think that this is also uh, this is allowing Presti to to see um, like to take chances on guys, knowing that this team is developing them for real. Yeah, they want Wiggins to succeed. They want to give him a chance, and I wonder how much um, they did in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also just the style of play with a Russell Westbrook led offense. Is like any of these guys, maybe they all would have failed in that offense because you throw them in the corner and it's like, Hey, Aaron Aaron Wiggins, if you shoot as poorly as you have been, dude, you're out. You know who would have looked awesome in this version of the thunder without having the like mental, uh, I don't know, mental struggles that he had with the thunder is Kyle Singler would have probably been really awesome with this version of the thunder. Mm -hmm. You know, like Abrinas could have been Abrinas. Abrinas would have been amazing with this version of the Thunder. Like a lot of two Pat would have been great with this version of the Thunder, and they all stunk. Nah. They all stunk. Yes, he would have. Yes, he would have. He would have been great with this version. Yeah, better of the than what he was. Yes, he was terrible. But um... yeah, I think a lot of those guys looked terrible in that offense because it's like, hey, 
you know what? You're going to get one shot a quarter. And if you don't make it, you stink. You're terrible. You know, and that's the way it is. And it's going to be a bullet thrown right to you. And it might be at your knees for the one in the second quarter. And if it is, sorry about that, but you still have to make it. Uh, it's a tough environment. And and you know what? It was also the correct way to play because you have a legend in Russell Westbrook uh, on your team. So I'm not saying that like, oh, this is the wrong thing to do. Like, oh, poor Patrick Patterson. Like, no, they played the right way. It's just hard to find players that can fit, especially on the wing in those systems. And one of them happened to be a guy that couldn't shoot at all in Andre Robertson. You know, not that he fit offensively, but defensively he was like perfect for what they needed for that team. And so it's probably a little bit unfair for me to to say some of that stuff just because the offense was hard to play in. But this goes to show that like this offense can make almost anybody look good, you know. And it it made guys that are not on this team or not really getting a huge opportunity in the league look good too. Like it made Ty Jerome look amazing for a for a span of time. It made Teo Maladone look really good whenever he got a lot of minutes. Um, yeah, you know, like it it we were convinced after Teo's a rookie very, season, very good. We were convinced that he was like a backup, the backup point guard of the future. <laughs> After his first season, you know, I'll rewind the tape. I'll go back to it. We were like taking Teo to the bank as like some guy. And I think that's what this offense says. I mean, I watch Isaiah Joe play right now and I'm like, man, Isaiah Joe's pretty good. Like that's a pretty good player. He was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he, he, the past breakup that he had on a Sims alley up attempt, that was something. Very interesting. The defense me. stuff has been surprising, and then offensively, we know what Isaiah Joe can do. You know, he's just a dead eye yeah. shooter. But you know, that was just—I don't know. This offense and the way that Mark wants to play is very helpful to a lot of these guys, and that's a good thing. Like, it's a very good thing because it means like you're going to get touches, you're going to get a chance to to feel the basketball. You know, I feel like that's kind of a thing with some of these players is that, hey, just let me get like let me get the ball a little bit and not just have like some yeah. heliocentric player that like dominates the basketball and you're like, yeah, the only time I touch it is when I'm forced to shoot it only. And I think that would be hard for guys like Jalen Williams and hard for guys like Kenrich and hard for especially guys like Usman Jang and Trey Mann. But like, you know, the offense allows for there to be a lot of movement a lot of people handling and dishing out assists and shooting. Like it just and making decisions. Good. Yeah. I think that everyone is empowered to make decisions. Yes. Some players um, at the beginning, they are like, they not allows for like creation moments. And during their career, they just tighten the screws. I mean, you can see it with Blue Dort. You can see it with Boku. Um, and yeah, going back, I mean, probably the best version of a Russell Westbrook teammate was a guy like Jabari Smith, mm-hmm. a guy that can play defense, that would just shoot whatever you pass him. Um, and, and that's it. He's the perfect player. Um, yep. A guy like MPJ. I mean, um, hey, I'm, I'm a gunner. I'm just going to take as many trees as you, as you give me. Um, but those players, I mean, finding good defenders that are elite play finisher 
is a hard thing to do. If you yeah. maybe these these are not the players that you that this version of, of OKC likes, but you need to be an elite player in order to 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 just be defender and shot maker. There are very few that are successful. I mean, mm-hmm. like, guys like Clay Thompson, guys like yeah. guys like that are not coming by every single day. Uh, and Clay was also able to move. He's also able to move around pretty well. Yeah. So those kind of players that were perfect for Westbrook, it's very hard to find them late in the draft because everyone recognizes shooting and defense. Everybody uh, can see if a player is good or not on those things. And so it's hard for a team that is trying to find the same player that everyone is taking at 3 and D. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's very hard. Yeah. On the other end, if you, if you have a Wiggins, which is not a great shooter, that's probably an okay defender, was in college. Okay, not great. Yeah. Um, but doing a little bit of everything, you start questioning what is the role of, of this guy. Mm-hmm. And if you have a team that can, like a, a play style that can empower Wiggins a little bit and try to see if you can get a good defender out of him, um, then maybe you have a chance. Same yeah. with, with Lou Dort. I mean, Lou Dort, mm-hmm. the idea of Lou Dort with, with Westbrook, no. It's a failure. Um, this guy needs the ball, and this guy is a defender, but not a shooter. Yeah. They wouldn't have taken him probably. Look they, what happened they, they, to Vic Oladipo in Oklahoma City. You know? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Oladipo can be. I mean, Oladipo is perfect for this kind of. Oh, he'd team be great right with now. this team. Like a healthy young Victor Oladipo would have been amazing. He's like super. Oh yeah. Heart, you know. Um, Man, Jabari Smith having a rough season. I don't want to rub it in his face or rub it in Rockets fans' faces, but it has been rough. He's 41 of 130 field goal attempts. 31% from the field, 28% from three, 35% from two. That's rough. That's really, really rough. The only like saving grace is he's 84% from the free throw line, 22 of 26. But like that's is been a real struggle and you know people have brought this up a ton but it's like the the uh the guards at auburn and the guards of the houston rockets uh seem to have some things in common (laughs) and that they just are not very good at getting jabari smith the basketball uh you look at the on offs for jabari smith he's a minus 17.4 this season and 355 Mm, minutes So just pretty brutal. Uh, All right, I'm going to go through some more Thunder stats and we'll get out of here. On offense, they are 20th right now, which is a jump. Defense, they are 15th, which is um, they fell there. They're 8th in assisted turnover ratio in the league, which I thought was pretty interesting. They're 4th overall in turnover percentage, so they're just not turning the ball over. 23rd in true shooting percentage, so they've got a ways to go, but they're shooting the ball better than the Hawks, Rockets, Raptors, Bucks, Lakers, Pistons, and Hornets. Um, and then they're seventh in pace in the league, which is something like extremely intentional. And in fact, they'd like to play faster. And something to watch for is Lou Dort, whenever an official gets the basketball on an inbounds play, he is grabbing the ball from the official. And it's just like, give it to me, give it to me. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, he's just like frantic to get the ball inbounds. Um, so, like, just like watch for that because it's something that I think Mark is asking of them. 
and is asking of the players. And like, that's something that I've really noticed, especially with Lou. Like Lou is like, okay, come on, like, give me the ball. Let's go. Like he'll rip the ball out of the official's hands, like just to push it up court. Um, and that's really fun, but they want to play fast. They want to play faster than they're playing now um, as a way to like get into this free flowing offense. So I think that's been really interesting. Um, and then just a couple notes on Shea. He's fifth in total scoring this season. Tied for 11th in total blocks this season as a guard. And then he's third in total steals. So the the blocks and steals is the number that's jumped, along with the efficiency, has jumped the most. And it's why like he is clearly an all-star this year and clearly on his way to being like as a part of the all-NBA conversation. Depending on how the Thunder do, how much he plays, like there's a lot of factors still there with how this is going to go. But Shea has been outrageous and so much fun to watch. And I cannot wait to watch this game against the Boston Celtics because it's it's a real test. It's a real test. If Shea can still slither through their defense, which has not been as good as it was last year, a lot of it is they don't have Rob Williams in the lineup. Um, But still... Like this is, this is a really big test for this Thunder team. Yeah, I agree. And um, he is trying to adjust to the officiating. I mean, when he ha- when he takes makes a few fouls early, he is not that impactful. But you, you can see that he's managing himself because he knows that yes, the defense is important. Yes, I need to be aggressive. But yes, I need to play thirty-seven minutes. Yeah. So I think that the um, he is still pacing himself. Um, I think that he will get way more leeway from the officials in the coming years because every superstar that is known as a guy who plays defense has. So I I think that he's doing an exceptional job on that end. Mm -hmm. And you can see that when he's engaged in a possession, you can really tell the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, He can't be engaged in every single possession. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, the way in which you are perceived as a player, is as important as the things that you do on the court. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if Steph is a, is an, uh, an off night. Even if he missed 10 trees, you will be glued to him for the 11th. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, if you know that Shea is active on defense, he will not ha- handle the ball in the same casual way against right. them. I mean, Shea learned that lesson against Marcus Smart a couple of years ago. Um, he handled the ball in a not optimal way on a final possession that that ball is gone so you really need to make a name on defense and i think that shea is doing that and it's um as you mentioned right now if um the if the season ends tomorrow he will be in all nba <laughs> yeah, yeah it's still a long way to go, and the but, leader for um, most improved on the right yeah leader for most improved which oh. i think is going to be like that's yeah. that's a real thing, and he's got to play enough games. Like that's got, that's like the whole thing. It's like you can't play fifty games. Like you need to play sixty five games. No, he needs to play seventy. You no, know? like let's let's get up there, and he'll win most improved and be in the running for All NBA, and we'll certainly make the All Star team. So um, exciting times in Oklahoma City. Exciting times for Thunder fans. So um, man, if you have a chance to come watch this team this year, you should. Because one, the tickets, the ticket, the tickets, the tickets are cheap, and you can get in the building for hardly anything, and it's so much fun. The environment is is so so much fun, and this team is worth watching. Like, this is here's the thing: is like this team, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be 
on the next good Thunder team that are wearing their jersey now. And so it's it's worth it. Like you're gonna you're gonna remember games that happened this season when we get down the road. And so it's a good time to uh start investing investing in your fandom again. So I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. Uh, enjoy the Thunder game tonight against the Boston Celtics, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.